Welcome to Thrive Deeper, an ongoing conversation with Dr. Matthew Jacoby, author of the Thrive Bible Reading Guides, teaching pastor, and leader of the Psalmist Band Sons of Korah. Join us as we go deeper into the Bible, discussing the passages as we read them together with Thrive. Now, here's your host, DJ Payne. G'day, g'day. It is episode 14 of Thrive Deeper. And yes, it's DJ Payne here, uh, about to get into this conversation about the book of Philippians. We're going to finish off the book of Philippians today as we've been reading through that with Thrive, this fantastic book. This last half, we get into uh, you know passages about salvation. What does it mean to work out your salvation with fear and trembling? What does that mean when it comes to our assurance of salvation? Well, Matt and I get into all of that. But first off, we have a recurring question. It's come up again We have a question about apostles and disciples. So we're going to get into that, covering off that uh, that passage from Ephesians about apostles. The questions continue. So we're going to try to put it to bed once and for all now. So join us as we get into that and then into Philippians after the break on Thrive Deeper. Is that a post-tour cold? Well, I got it towards the end of the last trip, so I don't know. Maybe caught it on the plane or something. Planes are uh, like incubators for disease. <laughs> I get on a plane, I think, oh, here we go, I'm going to get sick, I bet you. And sure enough. From all over the world, yeah. uh, diseases. That sits in the plane there. Unite on aeroplanes. All right, so you've come back to Geelong and you're sick. That's right. Now we we haven't uh, how did the how did the Queensland Sons of Court tour go? Uh, yeah, it was really good. Yeah, it was a really good tour. Yeah, yeah. happy. I had a great time. Yeah, it was nice to get up to some warm, warmer weather. Maybe it's the warm weather up there, then coming back to the freezing, freezing Geelong weather. Down no, well, I caught I caught my cold up there. Oh no! Okay, <laughs> it's too warm. It was too warm. It was too oh, nice. I, 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 I was looking forward to getting back to a bit of winter, a bit of real. What is wrong with you? Oh, I love winter. Why? Oh, I love it. I love going out in the mornings, you know, and you can, you see your breath, you know, like as you, and, and, and it's all frosty over the fields out where, out where we live. It's a green, it's beautiful. Love it. Invigorating. You just put on a jacket, man. That's. Yeah. Wouldn't you rather be on the beach up in Queensland? In the sunshine? Oh, Sand between your toes. Occasionally. <laughs> Sand between your toes. All right. We have got uh, questions coming in uh, from a couple of episodes ago uh, when we were getting into the book of Ephesians. And we uh, a few questions came up about um, the role of the apostle. Now, uh, you know, in, when, when Paul mentions some of the gifts of the church, he, he mentions apostles, evangelists, teachers, etc. Now, there is more questions coming about the role of the apostle. And he basically summing up, uh, you know, I've combined three people's questions into one. And it basically goes like this. I am confused by the discussion about apostles. Who were the apostles mm. with a capital A? Are they the same as the disciples? Aren't we all disciples? And if we're all disciples, aren't we all apostles? Can you please give us a clearer definition of apostles <laughs> and disciples? Signed. Confused. Uh, that's a great one. Yeah. Uh, thank you, confused. <laughs> uh, in fact, you even confused me a bit. No. Um, uh, <clears throat> okay. So the 12 
the 12 apostles capital a now now last time we talked about this yes i made the distinction between capital a apostle and small a apostle and what i meant by that is that there's a, we, we use the word apostle to, ref, to we could use the word apostle to refer to a gifting yes uh and uh, so so there's apostle in that sense but there's also the uh position of apostle in that unique position of the apostles capital a yes in the early church okay so small like, a is is the the gifting apostle which which is like a um sort of leadership you know um has more of a, a over a general oversight role sometimes even over um over many churches so you know for example uh, in some denominations where they have that bishopric sort of role that's yes. a kind of apostolic Type role because it's okay. So let's give the definition there. So when Paul is talking about the gifts, and he and and he uses a lowercase apostle, the the definition there is yeah. Well, he he doesn't yeah. He he didn't use lower lower and uppercase. Okay, I'm just using that for uh, as a way of, and maybe that's the confusion. I think there's yeah. This is the confusion. We're, We're we're using a word like a lot of words can be used in different senses. Okay. Okay. So I'm distinguishing two different senses. One, there is apostle as we might refer to someone who, who is an apostle today. In, in other words, they, they have that apostolic kind of gifting okay. of, of leadership and, and general oversight, sort of a movement leader, okay. you know, as that, that is, that is a way in which that could be understood. Okay. Um, but then that's one thing. On the other hand, there are the Apostles, the 12 apostles. Okay. And that is a unique, one time, never to be repeated, arguably, I would argue, role. I agreed. Uh, in, uh, in, in the church. Now, of course, there are some denominations who would even say that that role with all of the authority that went with it is uh, given, for example, to the Pope, would see yes. himself as the apostle of Christ. Now, um, it's, uh, Paul says in Ephesians, the church is built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Correct. And what he means by that is that he, he's meaning apostles in the sense of this authoritative role for the church in laying down scripture, you know, yeah. like scripture writing apostles. Yeah. Um, so, so the apostle, so, so the, um, apostle in that sense is a formal role. There were 12 apostles. They are the same as the 12 disciples, except um, that, of course, Judas uh, was replaced mm-hmm, mm-hmm. by uh, Matthias. Yes. And they, that's the, the end of chapter 1 in Acts. They cast lots, yep. interestingly, yep. Uh, to, to, to choose him. <clears throat> um, it was a way of... Uh, a special sort of casting lots, which was a way of seeking help from um, from God. Anyway, I feel like we need to say something about that now, yeah. but anyway, but we won't. Yeah. Um, uh, and then, of course, Paul saw himself as an apostle. In in he's like the thirteenth apostle because he's the apostle to the Gentiles. Now, the mm-hmm. significance of twelve apostles is, is that they stood for the, you know the twelve tribes of Israel, the complete people of God. Yeah. So there were twelve you know twelve disciples. They are also the twelve apostles. One was replaced, Judas, with Matthias, 
uh, and among those you've got Peter and uh, uh, you know Peter and James and and John and so forth, or, or you know the disciples of of, of Christ, um, and uh, and then you've got Paul as this thirteenth uh, apostle. These are the guys that lay the foundation for the church. It's a never to be repeated role, yeah. uh, never and to be repeated position, you, I should say. And you, that's when you. Casually would call them the capital A. Yeah, the apostles. capital. They are the capital A apostles. Yeah. Um, however, they in their apostolic role, and particularly see this in Paul, I think exercised uh, a movement leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Paul is is an apostle in in not only in the capital A sense, but also in the sense of gifting that, you know, he plants churches, he leads a movement. It's the, there's this sort of leadership thing, mm-hmm. uh, commissions elders, uh, puts pastors into place. So he, he has this apostolic, uh, role in gifting, uh, as well. Yeah. Okay. So that's, that's the distinction. So, um, I would say w- we could speak of, uh, People exercising an apostolic role or an apostolic gifting today, yeah. um, but it's not. They're not like that. It's not with the same authority as uh, as the twelve apostles. In the same way as that, we would recognise that there are people who exercise a prophetic role and a prophetic gifting uh, today, but they don't necessarily uh, have the same. Uh, sorry, they they certainly don't have the same authority as Isaiah or Jeremiah. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, who were scripture writing yeah. capital um, p prophets. Yeah, capital p <laughs> prophets that's right you know okay so so maybe a way to uh, way to think of it you know here is if we start with the foundation of the apostles oh. with the capital a mm-hmm. who were writing scripture and who birthed the church yeah. you know they were Christ's messengers yeah. and paul in a couple of different passages gives descriptions of what an apostle you know you know yeah. some some definitions about what an apostle should be um one who one who has seen you know the resurrected christ yeah, yeah. uh you know and things like yeah, that that's there's, right. there's different passages and that, that's that's the capital a it, it, it had to be someone who was a witness to the resurrected christ yeah yeah, yeah. and that's why he calls himself one you know the sort untimely of untimely born, born yeah, yeah one born at the wrong time uh and so if we if we have that in our mind, if someone uses the word apostle or apostolic or that type of sense today, it means that they're sort of walking in the the vibe of of the of the previous apostle. You know, like not not in the same capital A, but just as they are following the example of what these original apostles did. Not so much in yeah, writing they're scripture, exercising that gifting. Yeah. yeah, not not in writing scripture, but in Birthing churches or movements, as you, as you, as you, yeah, it, it has that sort of leadership quality uh, yeah. to it. That, you yeah. know, um, now, now, of course, how we choose to use words today is is, is up to us, uh, to uh, to some extent. Um, but the, the the key thing is that in scripture, I think you can, uh, I think, I think you can be justified in making that that distinction. Yeah. Because, and I'll say why, because in Ephesians chapter 4, I think he's talking about different areas of gifting uh, and different sort of roles uh, that are always going to be relevant to the church. Okay. Yeah, and one one last little passage, sort of hopefully to tie that up in a bow when we talk about apostles, is of course in the book of Revelation, we see a picture of the new heaven and the new earth, and this miraculous, you know, uh, imagination gone, mm. you know, like mm. just amazing. We can't even fathom it. And there are twelve gates, yeah, you know, and those twelve gates are for are named, you know, for the yeah, twelve yeah. apostles. Yeah. 
So, as you say, that's the capital A, you yeah, know, that is right, set yeah. into the foundation of the yeah. new heavens to come. There's something distinct as someone walking today and saying, I feel I'm called into the gifting of an apostle yeah. is quite different, uh, you know, sure, yeah. than, than that capital A. Yeah. Now, that, that in, in any case, everything that we've said, that this is how I understand it, yeah. that's how I view it. There are, and I want to acknowledge this, there are different approaches uh, Slightly different approaches to this, and that's fine. Can can we say this? If if there's confusion, man, I'm going to put you on the spot uh, for later on. Um, I want I want to grab some information, maybe some links to some articles or definitions that we can put up on our show notes for this show. Mm-hmm. If people do have further questions about apostles, yeah. we'll put some passages or places to do further research in the show notes for this uh, episode up on thrivetoday.net.au. You can go there. One last part of that question, people getting confused about the apostles and the disciples. Same thing. The, the, the 12 apostles were the 12 disciples. Okay. Uh, so Jesus chose 12 disciples. Judas, of course. Uh, forfeited. Forfeited. He was replaced by Matthias. Yep. And, um, and so you had these 12 apostles again. Uh, that was important for the beginning of the day. Wanted to be twelve. They they felt that there needed to be twelve of them. Yes. And then, of course, you add Paul to that as the thirteenth apostle to the Gentiles. And Jesus set that standard when that's he right. made a point of appointing twelve yeah. to follow him. Yeah, that's right. Also, so, something too important to note out that at the time there were many more disciples than there uh, were the yeah, original gotcha. twelve. Yeah. Yes. So, so okay. Good. <laughs> So there are two senses of the words disciples. As well. We, we talk about the disciples of Jesus. Hmm. But yes, we're talking about the original 12, um, but we, we are actually all to be disciples yeah. of Christ. In fact, we are to make disciples. Yeah. Uh, so um, in that sense, there is a disciples with a big D and disciples with a small D if we want to go that way. <laughs> Okay, so hopefully that's clear, you know, with their, you know, um, the point being, you know, when Christ's ministry was on earth, he had many followers, they were called the disciples, out of that many, he commissioned 12. Yeah, that's right. And, and those 12 became the apostles Minus yeah. Judas, yeah, add in right, yeah. Matthias and Paul, yeah. and then, you know. Yeah, and they're, they're, they're often referred to as the 12 disciples, yeah. uh, often just the 12, actually. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but of course, now it's billions. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I hope that has cleared it up again. Please head over to thrivetoday.net.au. Have a look for the show notes for this episode, and we'll have some links in there for you to, you know, have a look at some articles to go into. All right, now. Back into uh, Philippians. Uh, we left off about halfway through the book of Philippians, uh, this amazing letter to uh, from Paul to the church in uh, Philippi. And we were talking about the structure of the book of uh, Philippians, that um, after chapter 1, he gets into the first part of chapter 12, is this amazing poem, uh, you know, pretty much about the mind of Christ, about, yeah. who, you know, who Christ it chapter is. Chapter 2. Yeah, sorry, sorry, at the beginning of chapter two yeah. of Philippians, he, uh, you know, in, the, in those first 11 or so verses, he talks about this great uh, part, you know, this is this great nugget of truth yeah. about Christ where all the rest of the letter is sort of connected to it from there. Um, and then immediately from talking about, you know, who Christ is and, and what he has done, he then, he then throws down a statement in, in verse 12, you know, in that practical part of Paul's way of thinking about working out your salvation. 
Mm. Now, that is a phrase. Now, depending on the translation that you read, it can translate it different ways. Uh, you know, the working out salvation. So if you, if you look at that same, uh, translation, if you look at the, that same verse, we're talking about, uh, Philippians chapter two, verse 12. In the New Living Translation, Paul says, dear friends, you're, you always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I'm away, it is even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. Um, and in, you know, in the classic, uh, you know, translations that we've grown up with. It's about, you know, working out your salvation with fear and trembling. Mm. Um, so some people really trip over that verse and think, wait a minute, what is, what is this? I've got to work on my salvation. I've, I'm working towards salvation. What's happening there? Well, you, it's, it's, he certainly doesn't mean uh, working for your salvation. Mm. Because salvation is given to us uh, as a gift, God God comes to us, and uh, he he uh, he scoops us up, and it's by His grace completely. And all we need to do uh, is respond to God in faith. So it's by grace through faith we're saved. So that's that's an important uh, point to make. Um, what he means here is that uh, that our our salvation. Uh, puts uh, puts us in in possession of um, uh, of a wonderful wealth of resources in God, yeah. with which to live in a different manner. And so he's saying, li- live it out in a sense. Mm. So maybe uh, maybe that's another good way to put it. Live out yourself, like live it out. Uh, you, you have been brought into this new position now live up to it yes live it out yes. it's like unpacking something yeah. you know it's like you you get something well now i'm going to unpack it you know i get the flat pack ikea thing <laughs> you know I, I, it's given to me now i'm going to build now i'm going to con- construct it yeah. well you've been given something now put put it put it together work, work it out live it out okay that's okay. the idea there now it's interesting because he then says in chapter 13 sorry, sorry for- verse 13 mm. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good purpose. Mm. It is God who works in you both to will and to act according to his good service, mm. uh, good pleasure. Um, so this isn't, this is not, oh, off you go and do the best you can. Mm. This is about, uh, actually working with God because we, we've, part of our salvation is that we, um, God's spirit comes to live in our hearts. And so this is about cooperating with God and living by the spirit and working with God because he's already working within us. Mm. So this is about, so cooperate with what God is doing in you. Mm. That's what it means to live this out. And um, I love that. I love that verse, actually. It is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure, even to will, because at, at at the at the fundamental level, we are fundamentally unwilling to let God be God. That's mm. the nature of the hum, human condition. Totally, and we're, we're trapped in that. But God's Spirit comes into our hearts, and it, it's like His His willingness. Uh, it, it's like it gives us a, another um, another option. Mm. You know, it it's the very passions of God, mm. the very desires of God, are deposited within our 
our hearts so we can act on those desires. We're not just enslaved to our own dysfunctional desires, but we have uh, this this new God-deposited heart. You know, mm. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you, Ezekiel mm. says in Ezekiel chapter 36. Um, and, and this is what's happening here. So, so we have the... Uh, we, we have the strength to do this. We just need to step into that. Yeah. Uh, we need to access that. We need to live it out, as yeah. he says. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then in the rest of chapter two, I love the way that Paul almost fleshes out that, what yeah. that looks like. Yeah. He gives us some pretty basic instructions next. And then he uses two, you know, again, I love the fact that you can imagine Paul and as he's contemplating, as God is giving him this revelation, he looks up and they're sitting next to him as Epaphroditus and, and, yeah, and yeah. Timothy. And he's like, right. And he uses Timothy yeah. as an example of what this means yeah. in one direction. Yeah. And then he uses Epaphroditus yeah. over here in another direction. Yeah. And, the, and, the, and they know, yeah. and they know Epaphroditus, uh, you know, so well. And he uses it in that way. He likens Epaphroditus you know and and the and the way that paul thinks that this closeness to christ is is you know this mind of christ you know this this mm. thing that he keeps on talking about he's looking at epaphroditus epaphroditus having suffered nearly died yeah. for the cause he's like this is an example yeah. of what i'm just talking yeah. about yeah that's you know, right yeah. he goes on there with chapter 2 yeah i think a uh, i think this a, another thing in connection with this that i think is worth speaking to just briefly. You know, a lot of people get concerned uh, at wanting to know, how do I know that I'm saved? How do I know? Mm. <clears throat> um, and and that's, that's an important question mm. um, because we don't want to be racked with doubt. How do I know that I'm saved? And, and invariably, I think the best way to answer that is – that we know we are saved if we're being saved. Like salvation, yes, it's given as a gift, mm. but then it's something that that works out in our lives. Yeah. And so our assurance, so our our salvation isn't based on our success in that, but our our assurance actually uh, can be our sense of connection with that salvation which is you know about our names being written in the book of life and how do we know how do i know that my name is there you know well um as as we cooperate with god as we see god work working in our lives and and as that um unfolds that's how we gain a sense of assurance really because uh we can't be saved in the process sense if if we're not already saved in the positional sense, yes, you know, so God is saving us from our um, corrupt condition, but to do that, He first changes our position, and the position thing is the is the first and most important thing. Mm. So we go from um, guilty to not guilty. That's a change of position. Yeah, right. So. Um, and so we're declared not guilty. We're declared children of God. Nothing that that's that's by God's declaration. It doesn't depend on our condition. Now, what happens then is that we then uh, need to begin to live up to that position. And this is the work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So you've been granted this position as a child of God. You've been forgiven. You've been given grace. Now live up to that. Yeah. Let 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 your um, uh, not, not just not just live up to that, but actually live live that out. As I've said, because part of that is that we is that the Holy Spirit comes in, in into our, uh, into our hearts, and so 
that begins that process of saving us from our condition, which is a process thing. And I think, you know, as, as that happens, you think there's this sense of being, you know, manhandled by God, you know, mm. and God will not put his hands on us un, un, unless we are um, forgiven, because God cannot embrace someone who is guilty. Mm. So we're first forgiven, cleansed, you know, and then God begins that work of, of, uh, of changing our, our condition. So that, that, that ongoing process that really is the Christian life is what all the Christian life is about of growth. You know, I often say living things grow. Yeah. You know that you're alive if you're growing. Mm. Um, how do we know that we've received new life? Well, are you growing? Mm. Because that's the vital sign of new life. So, the, okay, so the first question is someone might be listening right now and thinking, oh, Matt, I don't feel like I'm growing. Yeah. I feel like I'm not in that life. I don't have that growth. I don't have that, you know, I don't have that manhandling of God yeah, yeah. In, in, in me. I don't feel those fingerprints. I feel like I'm stagnant, like it hasn't yeah. really taken. What do they do? <clears throat> uh, in, in, in 30 seconds? <laughs> um, well, uh, the, the the first thing that that we need to do is go to God. It begins with God. We we go back to God because what Christ has given us by grace yeah. is access to God. Mm. You know, uh, and so we uh, we go to God and we talk to God about that and we ask God, what is it in my life that you want to deal with mm. the most? Mm. Now I guarantee, if you ask that question, God, what is it in my life that is 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 that you want to deal with right now? I guarantee you, you'll – and if you don't recognize it straight away, God will probably put you into a situation where that will come to the surface. Yeah. And in fact, the funny thing is is that God may already be doing that because often God does speak to us about things that he wants to deal with and he puts us in situations that bring that to the surface. But what we do is we tend to blame the situation or we tend to blame the people or we tend to run away from the situation you know, because – uh, we don't like the effect that it's having because it brings out the worst in us. Yeah. But some situations are meant to bring out the worst in us. Sometimes God wants to bring out the worst in us because He wants to deal with the worst yeah. in us. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I mean, one of the one of the classic contexts for bringing out both the best and the worst in people, and we spoke about this when we talked about Ephesians, is marriage. Mm. Marriage is a is a wonderful context for bringing out the bre- best and the worst uh, <laughs> in you. You know, and <clears throat> You know, I, you, you, I've had conversation with people who have felt this happening and have said, "Oh, I don't think my marriage is working out." You know, because yeah. it's I, bringing out the worst. Because bringing out the worst, and yeah. I say, "Looks like it's working just the way it should." Actually, <laughs> you know, it brings out the worst in us, and um, and and this is something that God wants to do. Uh, he wants to bring it to the surface mm. because He wants to set us free from that. He wants to grow us through that. So, if you feel like you're stagnant. That I would encourage you to, to go before God and, and ask that question. And that is a question I believe that God will answer in one way or another. God, what is it in my life that you want to change right now? Next part of 
you know, we've, we've been looking at Philippians and, and, you know, talking about that working out of salvation, that showing of salvation. And as we contemplate that assurance and knowing that we're saved, I think Paul then gets into a really crucial part of that into chapter three, mm. where he starts off um, and he swings. I love it when Paul swings the hammer, you know, when he puts the hammer down. Mm. And in, chap- in chapter three, verse two, he starts talking about the dogs, the people, mm. these, these, you know, circumcisers who are putting the assurance of salvation or, or feeling that they can be somehow right with God through human effort. Yeah. And, and in his case, he was dealing with, uh, these, you know, whether they were Jewish people or Gentiles who'd converted to this Jewish way of thinking mm. of saying it was through circumcision yeah. or some sort of man's act that they could come to Christ. And, and then we get, in, in chapter three, one of my favorite passages of Paul that is so like him ripping his heart open and talking about such a personal, personal thing that he, that we, we don't often see is he gives his testimony, you know, in the way that only Paul can, where he, you know, he starts off and he's like, I was circumcised when I was eight days old. He lays all of his claims to fame yeah. when it comes to that, you know, that Jewish way yeah. of thinking. Well, it's, it's, it's not, it's not so much a testimony as a, as his credentials. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. Be- and he's doing it in order to say, not to say, how, look how good I am, but hey, you know, here are these people are saying, well, you've got to have the credentials. Yeah. If, if you yes. want to be considered one of God's people, you've got to be circumcised, you've got to tick all the, all the boxes, right? Mm-hmm. Now, Paul says, no, you don't have to tick those religious boxes. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's by grace and it's through faith alone. Uh, so you just entrust your life to Christ, and you don't need to tick any other boxes, right? You don't need to jump through hoops for this. Mm. This is this is we're called into a relationship. Christ has done everything necessary. So, uh, so he's he's really speaking against this religiosity that says you need to tick these boxes, and he says, "Hey, listen, if anyone's ticked all the boxes, yeah. I've ticked more boxes than you can even imagine. Yeah. Like I've got I've got some boxes here." And he goes through, you know, circumcised a Jew, a Pharisee, studied under. It's oh, just like, yeah. like this oh, incredible this tribe, yeah. list of list of spiritual credentials mm. uh, and yet you know but he's basically saying but I don't take this is this is not what I find my confidence in this is not mm. where my confidence lies um, it, it is he, he considers it all nothing yeah. um, uh, he says but whatever gain I had I counted as loss for the sake of Christ yeah. so he has this sort of status all these credentials it's basically he's basically saying I exchanged all of that. Yeah. I, that like that, that's all gone. That's that does not. It, it, it got me nowhere. Not only did it get did it get him no, get, gets him nowhere, but I love the fact that he in verse six, where he basically, like in 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 the boasting aspect of yeah. it, he basically says, "You want to know how far I went with the boasting part? I was so zealous." I persecuted the church. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you know, and you know, this is this is where this road goes. You get so far where yeah. you actually are fighting against the very thing that God is yeah. doing, and you know, and then he he counts it all as rubbish, and you know, different words used in different translations yeah. of how he considers it when he talks about what Christ has done. It's such an amazing, yeah. amazing it passage yeah. to see how Paul, uh, you know, you know, Paul's mindset in that. Yeah. 
you know, go, going through, and then we, we close off in, in the book of Philippians here. There's so much in, in chapter three we could get into, uh, uh, you know, and as someone, and you know, we often joke on the, on the podcast here, Matt, you know, as someone who was raised in the church and saved a very young age, and I was the box ticker, number one, you know, mm. the, you know, this, this part of Paul's speech here convicts me greatly mm. because, uh, you know, I, I find so much of myself in, mm. in, in that type of way of thinking of, mm. of, of doing it all right, of being correct, of not doing the wrong thing. And, uh, you know, you really go, mm. okay, this is, this is actually a road to mm. the wrong way here. Um, but then getting into chapter four, there's a, there's, there's one, you know, again, there's so much that we could be talking about in all of it. And I think you mentioned, uh, in the discussion that this ongoing theme that we're having as we're discussing this last part of Philippians is, this knowledge of you know knowing that you're saved and working out your salvation, there's a there's a uh, a great bedrock for this in in chapter four and verse six, and it's something that people can again really wrestle with, wrestle with. It's when Paul says, uh, "Don't worry about anything, you know. Be anxious for nothing, yeah. you know. In and and pray for everything, you know. Pray about everything, taking it all to God, mm. all that type of stuff. That is a massive." For, we we live in a world today where anxiety is such a yeah. such a crippling uh, issue for so many people's lives, and I know mm. that we have people listening right now who who are you know who suffer from anxiety, yeah. and for have Paul just sort of fly through and say, "Hey, don't worry about anything, don't be anxious, yeah. pray about this and pray about that." That can be like, "Oh, how do I how do I get into that? Where do I even yeah. begin?" Yeah, it's a um, essentially what. What this kind of prayer is is uploading your concerns to God, and in that way, you you are. It's like I'm giving my concerns over, but the idea is that you're actually giving your life over. You you know because if you know worry is a symptom of the fact that we're not we 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 want to be in control, but we're not. Mm-hmm. And the fact is, we're just not. We're never really in yeah. in, in control. Um. We're quite vulnerable, quite helpless, and when when things happen and, and when we worry, we're reminded, "Hey, we're not in control." But um, uh, those occasions can remind us actually of the one who is in control, and it reminds us actually to give our life back over. So when we, you know, prayer isn't isn't like this religious process of 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 just getting things from God. It's actually a process of me giving my life over to God. I've got all of these concerns. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to take this gesture of, of, of giving this over to God. And in doing so, I'm giving my whole self over to God. Mm. And as I step into that place of, um, total surrender to God in prayer, mm. okay, I'm giving this to you. In fact, I'm giving you my whole life. That's where the peace is. That's that's where he then he talks about, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Mm. And it's because when we pray, we're stepping into that place uh, of peace. And um, and and this is this is what I think is beautiful about this uh, about this advice. Do not be anxious about anything. I'm reading from the ESV. Mm. But in everything, and he says, by prayer and supplication and with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Like, recognize what God has done. This is the thanksgiving. Recognize what God has done for you. Uh, recognize who he is for you. And uh, and give yourself over uh, to God. 
uh, and you will find yourself in a place of peace mm. if you put yourself uh, in that in that place. And it's not, and you'll find peace when he when he sorts out your situation. Mm. No, it's when you find and connect with God in your situation that's where you find peace. So there's so many amazing examples of this in the Psalms. Of course, David prays these incredible prayers uh, in the midst of the most dire situations mm. and expressions of the expressions of peace. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Mm. Of whom shall I be afraid? I mean, he really, he, he really, um, I mean, he's declaring that, but it's not just wishful thinking. I mean, he really finds peace in a period when he's being pursued and his life is in danger. And yet uh, he can say, whom shall I fear? And the answer could be, well, an army? Mm. Uh, in fact, he even says, though war break out against me, yeah. and it has. I will not be afraid. And yeah, it has. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's quite remarkable, really, mm. because he's acknowledged, he's acknowledged my life and my destiny are in the hands of God. Mm. And he, those continual gestures of prayer are gestures of him putting his life back in the hands of God. Mm. Because... What's going to happen tomorrow? Well, a lot of things could happen tomorrow, and there's a lot of things we could worry about. Mm. But prayer is the acknowledgement that actually, no, 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 tomorrow belongs to God. Tomorrow belongs to God. I mean, we've got to do, be wise and, and good stewards of, you know, of, of what God has given us and all mm-hmm. that sort of thing. But fundamentally, in a fundamental sense, tomorrow belongs to God. It's not, it's, it's not for us to look over the, fe- we need to engage with what God is doing now and in today. Mm. Um, and, and we can't do that if we're constantly looking over the fence, worried about how are things going to work out tomorrow. I think in these situations, God says, you let me, I'm the God of tomorrow, uh, and, uh, uh, but I'm with you today, and you're not going to connect with me in the present if you're constantly trying to take control of the future. Mm. Um, so so let, let, give the future to me, and you just connect with what I'm doing, with, with what I want to do uh, in the present. And essentially prayer... Is, in, is it's bigger than just giving God information about what we need. It's bigger than you know just trying to get things. Mm. It's actually much. It's it's much bigger than that. It's about putting our lives back in, ha- in the hands of God. It's about reconnecting with God in the midst of our circumstances and letting Him be God. Is verse eight that he goes on like a couple of verses later? Later he gives that that, that beautiful uh, you know instruction. On, you know, you know, one final thing, mm. thinking that, you know, how you think, meditating, uh, the, you know, you know, bringing, you know, those thoughts type of thing. Think on these things that are honorable and true yeah. and right. He gives us a little list. Just and pure, whatever is lovely, commendable. It's, yeah. is I, that, is, is that, is that connected to what he's just been talking yeah, about? That's a very good question. Uh, and, and actually, I believe it is. Profoundly connect in a really profound way, actually, because you, you know what it's like when you worry. You know what do you do? You lie awake all night and you think about it, and you run over and over and over it in your mind. Like it's worry is quite an obsessive thing. Mm. And he's saying, give that to God, and and this is what I want you to focus on. Yeah. <laughs> because the problem is when we worry, the fact is we're not focusing on the things that really grow us. Mm. Actually, we don't focus on the things that are actually really going to solve our biggest problems. Mm. Um, so God says, you give the circumstances to me, let me be God, right? And you focus on what is right and what is just. You know, th- this, this, is, this has been such a, a winner for me uh, in, in so many circumstances where 
I found myself stressed over what's happening here and what are these people doing? What are those? And, 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 and I've brought that to God and sense God saying, right, you give that to me. You trust me with this situation and you just focus on loving those people, yeah. on doing the right thing, right? On purpose, on what is mm. pure, mm. All, all of this advice, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, mm. whatever is just, whatever is pure. Um, whatever is lovely and commendable, mm. you focus on these things. And uh, that's your job to do. It's God saying, it's my job to to order your life and your circumstances. Mm. So uh, I, I, I think the connection between the two is profound, as I said. Mm. Mm. I know we have people going, okay, Matt, that sounds great for you. <laughs> but how do I put no, this? No, no, yeah, no, well, it's not easy. Okay, can I say it's not easy? Yeah. Uh, it's it's not easy, um, but it's not complicated. It might not be easy, um, but it is simple in the sense that um, uh, it's simple in the sense that we we worry is and and, and I, I want to use the word anxiety, but I understand anxiety is also a, a medical. There's it's a medical yeah. condition as well. So so I want to push that aside. But worry and anxiety, in the normal sort of sense, is a is a symptom of us wanting to be in control of our lives anymore. And and the the simple part is we need to relinquish that and give that back to God. Now the difficulty is in our our unwillingness to often do that. That's the, that's the that's the difficulty. Mm. Uh, that's why it's it's often not easy because uh, living by faith uh, requires uh, something of us in the terms of letting God be God, and and so that that can be um, that can be difficult in one sense. But I would suggest it's far more difficult to live in this space of trying to control your you know control your own life and carry the weight of your own life and set your own dest- I, I, that that to me all of that is far more harder life actually what you find when you give all that over to God and you focus just on the things that he wants you to focus on you discover what Jesus referred to as as his easy yoke he said my yoke is easy uh, so in one sense the the harder option is carrying all that and again, come back to the simple, simple advice. Paul is saying, um, do not be anxious about anything, but everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Hand it all over to God. What great practical advice that God gives us through the Apostle Paul in this book of Philippians about our focus. What are we focusing our minds on, especially when it comes to what we worry about, what we feel anxiety about? Fantastic words to wrap it up there. All right, well, that is it. Episode 14. If any of this discussion has come uh, with questions or brought up questions in your mind about what we've been reading or what you've been going through with Thrive, please, as we say every week, head over to the website thrivetoday.net.au and leave us a question there. You'll see a, a place to leave a comment or a question. And you'll also find links to our Facebook page and group where you can uh, discuss the episode with us there. Until next week, this has been DJ Payne. On behalf of Matt Jacoby and myself, thank you so much for listening to Thrive Deeper. Thank you.
Thanks for listening to Thrive Deeper. If you have questions you would like answered, contact us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Thrive Deeper or at the Thrive Today website where you can also subscribe to the Thrive Daily Bible Reading Guide. That's at thrivetoday.net.au. Until next time, Thrive.